0: This is the story of the people, places, and organizations that make Katy, Texas a great place to live. You're listening to The Katy Podcast. If you live in Katy, then the date, August 25th, 2017, is likely laser-etched in your memory. That's the day it started raining. It didn't stop for five days. It wasn't supposed to be that big of a storm. But Harvey just sat over the top of our region and didn't budge, spinning off tornadoes, sending a city scampering for higher ground, and leaving a wound we've been trying to forget about ever since. But some people can't forget. Of course, they want to put it all behind them, but they still come home to bare studded walls, unfinished floors, and invisible mold that is taking a toll on their health. As we approach the second anniversary of Hurricane Harvey wreaking havoc on the Katy area, most of us have moved on. We may get... Nervous when it rains, we may see memories pop up on social media and cringe. We might even still be paying off some storm-related debt, but our homes are refinished, rearranged, and relatively calm. For us, Harvey wasn't pleasant, but it is a memory. You may be surprised to hear that there are many in our community for whom Harvey Recovery is not a memory but in everyday reality. They still haven't made it back into their homes, or if they have, their homes still bear the scars Harvey inflicted upon them. Today, and to commemorate the second year of post-Harvey life, we're having a conversation with two people who work every day with people who haven't yet experienced post-Harvey life. Today, to the Katie Podcast, we welcome Tom Preddy and Chelsea Lucas, two staff members with Katie Responds, an organization formed in the immediate aftermath of Hurricane Harvey that has been serving Katie families ever since. Tom, Chelsea, welcome.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Thank you so much. So on August 25th, 2017, I was supposed to go to Dallas to some meetings the forecast convinced me to stay home. Where were you guys the weekend Harvey hit? That's a great question. I so rarely think about
2: that particular moment. What I do remember is that we were in our, uh, in our home. Um, we used to live in the Falcon Point area and we knew the storm was coming. We wondered how is it going to affect us? What's it, what's it mean? And we have three little boys. And I remember as the rain started coming and the wind blew, I was like, so far, we're okay. Things are moving along. But it was that Sunday night. I specifically remember Sunday all day long, it just kept raining. And raining at a at a, a level that was just, I mean, just amazing as to how much was falling. Yeah. And never, as long as we had been in that home 10 years and we'd, we'd had the rain come into the yard once or twice, Mm -hmm. but it came into the yard and then it kept coming and it kept coming. And I was just like, what is going on? And I remember, I mean, going out into the garage and I was cutting up two before studs that I just had laid around in the garage to put things up on blocks, you know, in our home. Um, and it came within about six feet, uh, of our front door, water elevation of about seven inches from, from our front door. And somehow we were spared from that process. But I just remember the lake that was our whole street and being out in the middle or, you know, out calling out to neighbors across the street. Mm-hmm. How are you guys doing? Is mm-hmm. it going okay? Uh, we had one neighbor say, yeah, middle of the night about three thirty, four four o'clock in the morning, there's a, uh, there's an alligator that swam down the street. I was just <laughs> like, well, that's different. That's exciting. But that's what I remember is just that that our little boys were upstairs asleep, but there's this kind of frantic, process of what do we do how do we work through this and the next morning at 705 when i woke up and i walked out front our street was completely empty yeah so we from the standpoint of the immediate aftermath we were my family was
0: relieved of some of that that stress yeah everybody has their harvey weekend story chelsea what's yours
1: Well, I was, um, working for a retailer and the expectation was all hands on deck. And so I was expected to continually go to my job and it was nice and exciting and okay, cool. Let's do this because how many other times have we heard, Oh, there's a hurricane coming or, Oh, there's a tropical storm forming. Um, so to me, I thought it was a kind of crying wolf scenario and, I remember when um after it really had, you know, just started raining, I opened my garage door saying bye to my kids and I opened the garage door and I look and I'm I had a car at the time and I was like, Oh yeah, I'm not going anywhere because the second I get down my driveway, um, as the water was about two inches from my garage, um, realizing that I'm gonna be staying home today and trying to figure out how can I pray my way out of not flooding.
0: Yeah. Wow. So we've all heard the stats since Harvey, a half a million cars in Houston flooded, 50 inches of rain in spots. Given the work that you guys do, I'm just wondering what's the most jarring Harvey-related statistic that you've heard in the past couple of years? Does one come to mind?
1: For me, the biggest thing, the biggest... um statistic that pops out what that I've heard has been the recovery process is going to be 10 years long. Wow. And that to me shocks me because Harvey has a start and Harvey has a finish and it's when every home's completed. So, um, I think whenever I hear that statistic, it just turns my stomach to think what essentially a couple days of damage can have that impact on the latter part. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think the one that sticks out to me, and then Tom, I'll let you jump in. But and this isn't really a statistic, but I remember hearing that the amount of water that is in Lake Michigan fell on the area over the weekend, like wow. registering seismic activity. It's it's um, it's um, it's unbelievable to think about. Tom, what about you? Does anything come to mind?
2: I also always kind of uh, go back to how many you know, foot acres of water fell mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And so I mean that, that Lake Michigan kind of comparison comes to my mind. But the other part that, and it's not really a statistic, but that, that always gets my attention was how there were so many neighborhoods and, and so many areas uh, in our community, our broader community, even outside of Katy, that they made it through some of the rain. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they said, hey, we've got a manage the water you know out of the mm-hmm. reservoirs or etc and finally on those sunshine days when people thought they'd made it through and all of a sudden then their neighborhoods were yep. inundated um, and you know knocking on the door uh, you know constables or sheriffs knocking on the doors and saying you need to be out within a couple hours and yep. by that evening there being multiple feet of water in people's homes yeah. from some of those so those
0: are the things that always strike me yeah it's unbelievable now tom you've you've been with katie responds since the beginning, talk to us a little bit about what has been done so far, you know, not, not just through Katie responds, although I'm happy to have you talk about that, but just in the recovery process, let's, let's pause and, and kind of celebrate what's already been done. How how far have we come since then? R- reflect on that a little bit. Okay. There is a lot to be celebrated. It really is. And it's a it's a testament
2: to our community, especially out here in Katy. We are very resourceful people by and large. One of the key pieces that I like to to fall back on of some of the statistics and there are statistics all over it. And so it's hard to say this is the ideal information to run from, but you know, some of the FEMA data indicated that there were just short of fourteen thousand households around the Katy area that were impacted. Wow. by flooding or make claims or, or whatever that looked like. Um, unfortunately, there's not great follow-up data from that point. But our information from, from knowing a lot of neighborhoods and, and working through a lot of different areas that indicates that there are you know, 1,500 to 2,000 homes yet that yeah. have work to be done in them that are in significant disrepair or unlivable still that families want to return home to. That's a big win just right there, saying yeah. that, wait a second, we got from, from point A of you know 13,800 homes mm-hmm. or claims down to this range of 2,000. Unfortunately, there's still a lot work to be done there, but that's a win, Yeah, and I'm excited by that. I'm excited because within those numbers, as, as we can tell for our area, only about 20—between 20, 21 and 23 percent of those homeowners that were impacted— had flood insurance. Hmm. Okay, so flood insurance did help recovery for those people who were prepared, but a lot of other individuals through the help of uh, businesses, churches, friends, um, all different facets of our community, or unfortunately, taking out of their own, you know, savings, mm-hmm. et cetera, have been able to move forward in that that recovery. And so it's, it, again, testament to how creative, how ingenuitive, um, just Amazing, our community yeah. can be about achieving a goal and moving towards different things, and so that's that's a really exciting piece. Within the churches alone that that we partner very closely with, I think the estimate is I know that there were several thousand. I don't have a great count on that, but I know that there were several thousand between two north of two thousand homes that the churches helped to muck. Hmm. had helped to muck out and clean out in that process, which is, again, just an outpouring of those energies and efforts, et cetera, to to help get homes to a point where they can be uh, then sanitized and and ready for rebuild at some point in the future. And so those were in the the months right after the storm. They also then participated in, I know, several hundred homes. I know well north of 200, probably closer to 300, honestly, but between two and 300 homes, that our churches helped substantially in getting recovered, families recovered back into the homes. Mm -hmm. So that's really exciting and an amazing testament. Our community, man, I wish I had a dollar amount on this, and so Mm -hmm. so I'm missing this, but our community did an amazing job of raising money internally to support and love each other. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I'm also encouraged that we still have organizations Churches, charitable, otherwise, that have had over the last few weeks or months have reached out to us and said, "Here is a little bit left out of our funds that we have either raised or or stewarded through this process mm-hmm. that we would like to invest alongside of Katie Response to keep these efforts going to do restoration in the homes." I love it, and that speaks to not only them selfishly thinking of what they've accomplished, but how do we you know, make sure it goes back into the best source of getting things done. So in terms of the, the celebrations, I mean, those are the amazing types of things. We, you know, we've got communities, um, or schools such as Creech that, you know, mm-hmm. we've got hundreds and hundreds of children back into a regular habit, a regular place where they can enjoy what children should be able to enjoy. Um, Having said that, there's still some of those children that are especially from Canyon Gate or some of the other surrounding communities Mm -hmm. that were heavily impacted by the reservoir, that although they have the normality of life within the doors of the school, but they're still going home to these broken homes. So I want to celebrate where we can because there's a lot of amazing things. Yeah. but there's still that shadow in the background of, of, yeah, of what's unfinished.
0: As you're talking, I think everybody remembers that feeling of unity. I mean, there, there were people just driving up and down the street, like cheering you on from the back of a truck or whatever. <laughs> like there's just a feeling I remember yeah. of this, this unifying force that kind of only suffering... Can sometimes bring Where churches Certainly Businesses All sorts of folks Were banding together Chelsea You and I Actually mucked out A house together When it had barely Stopped raining Yep You were with the retailer That you mentioned before Uh, I was working with Our nonprofit. We had some folks From a church there Uh, And then I remember Just like Three or four Random frat boys Were walking up And down (laughs) the street Looking for stuff to do So they came in Um, Talk a little bit about that unity that we've hinted at that, that you've experienced firsthand as the recovery process has continued.
1: Um, Yeah. The one thing that I just honestly just loved. And when I sit back and recollect about just that experience right after um, was the week prior to Harvey hitting, there was so much tension politically. There was so much tension racially. And once recovery started to happen, all those barriers were broken. It was, how can I help you? And like you said, we had those random frat guys go in there. I had about three <laughs> people on my crew from work um, that were just like, Hey, Chelsea, what are you, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And then I called in some resources and, and mm-hmm. got married up. And so for about two and a half weeks, we got to just muck out and enjoy the fellowship and mm-hmm. the friendships and um, just the love on the community as we're supposed to do as human beings and just continue to love. Um, The other part of the unity um, that we had experienced in that is just really getting to know who are your neighbors again. Hmm. And you drive in and shut your garage really quick, you know, (laughs) the days before the storm. And now that this has happened and you let different people into your home, people are now more open to, hey, how's it going? How was your day? Before they shut the garage and before you continue your life in your own four walls. And I just love that. Um, it kind of just opened life back up to how I remember it as a kid where you would just go over to your neighbor's house and just enjoy. And there's always an open door. And I love that that sense of community has kind of come back again and you get a love on your neighbors.
0: It's crazy what you remember, you know, even as you guys are just talking, I remembered the smell. (laughs) <laughs> and all you have to do when you talk about Hurricane Harvey is say the smell, and people instantly <laughs> know, know what you're what you're talking about. Um, it's sometimes I was telling somebody the other day. Sometimes it seems like Hurricane Harvey was ten years ago. Sometimes it feels like it was last week. It's I think trauma is like that. And and make no mistake, we experi six million people in in our metropolitan area experienced. Incredible trauma all at once. And I know that since then there have been Harvey divorces. I know that there are Harvey substance abuse Mm -hmm. issues. I know that Harvey has introduced a lot of problems into the lives of a lot of people. But I also do reflect upon that time as a really unifying, beautiful time in a way that only those kinds of tragedies can can produce. G- give me a sense of, of where we are today two two years out. Um, some I'm sure that are listening are surely shocked that there's anything left to be done. Um, but what are we talking here? I mean, you mentioned 12, 1400. I can't remember the number you use, but what's the scope of work that's still unfinished, Tom?
2: We estimate across the greater Katy area, based upon the conversations we have with HOAs, the neighborhoods that we walk, the areas that we're working in, that there are fifteen hundred plus, possibly up to two thousand homes that
0: still have substantial work to be done. And can you define that? What do you what What would you call substantial work? Substantial work would be
2: um, on the light side of substantial work. I would say that they still have. Uh, only a partial kitchen, hmm. missing floors, probably a few doors or at least trim that still needs to go in. It It is livable, but it is not, it, it's not a home. It's not, yeah. it's not a place where you can really feel that you're secure and you've recovered from that process. There's major pieces of what you consider a home still missing. But having said that, we're working in a number of homes right now, all the way from a single mom of five children where just a few weeks ago, we finally were able to remove cabinets that had never left the home and found mold in there. And this was, this was their option. They don't have another place to go. And so they were living in this home that had mold still present in it to a 92 year old woman who is still working through that recovery process and didn't know where to go, had to go to some of their local, Municipal support and government officials to say how how do we go forward to remove again sheet rock that had put put in one at one time but covered up some other mold or a number of just different issues that were present in that home we're still recovering so we've got them at all ends of the spectrum with a with a lot of work I mean I've, hmm. we we also have a home that will be starting very very shortly that sat for. Effectively, the last two years in Mm studs and this this family wants to return into this home they just don't have the resources so it is it's challenging one of the things that I, I guess I remember you just mentioned the smell about the recovery process and I it is it's still so vivid and partial because we're closer to it and we live and find some of that mold still that smell that helped generate that but the the recovery process, that initial relief process and doing muck-outs, et cetera, it was physically exhausting. Yeah. Everybody felt it. You guys were out together feeling that. But it is emotionally exhausting. Yeah. Right. It was just hard to live this this process through with these families. And that's what um is in, is exciting and encouraging, but it's really kind of the grace of God as well mm. that helps us keep doing it is that it's emotionally exhausting to find these families still at this place. Mm but with the work that we're doing with the resources we're able to to bring forward or or call in still from the community of those who are interested to participate alongside of us that it is such amazing springboard when we once we get to a point where we're we're rebuilding a home or have finished getting walls back or put the last stroke of paint on a wall before we walk out it's a springboard for the person you see you see their their spirit, their heart, the, the, the person themselves blooms back again. Mm-hmm. The life comes back into their eyes. And man, that's the part that, that we just celebrated a, a recovery a, a few weeks ago.
1: Yeah, it's almost like they can just envision home again. Hmm. And it's not just this wall or piece of sheetrock or stud. It's, oh, I can finally start to visualize what was home before the storm and how yeah. can I move forward through it?
0: Yeah, so... As we've talked the last few minutes, I'm just reminded that there is a ton to celebrate. There are those moments where really stressed shoulders have been able to relax and move furniture back in and regain normalcy. But there are still north of 1,500 people in the Katy area whose, whose shoulders are still tense, who are still walking into these environments every day where they are... Uh, just trying to get the job finished. I know that you guys have some things coming up, um, starting with uh, the anniversary weekend here, um, that you want to invite the community back into, uh, into this recovery process. Can you tell us a little bit about that, what you guys are looking at uh, working on this fall uh, to bring people together to, to to get some of these jobs done?
2: Absolutely. The first thing I would I would say is, please come out and uh, take a look at katirespons.org, just even at our website. There's some awareness videos just to, to, to help you envision and understand where people still are at. That will help explain the situation that we're working through. In addition, we're wanting to use the second anniversary to bring the awareness back around those families that still need help. We want people to be back in their homes as soon as possible, but it's certainly before this third holiday season that they're going to be out of their homes. And to that end, we're, coming, we're celebrating an October re- Rebuild Fest. And so we're wanting to invite as many businesses, churches, um, organizations as possible to participate alongside of us by adopting a home. We have stories after stories um, that, almost like the old Polaroid pictures, that that are just simply trying to come back into focus, that are trying to uh, develop fully so they can see their lives again, yeah. that are needing to come along through that process. And we'd love to say, hey, here's a story of a family. Can you walk through this process with them to help it fully get clear and focused again for them in focus again for them to move forward in their lives and so we're inviting um the adoption of 20 to 25 homes throughout october that would
0: then be able to walk through the process and get back into their home before the end of the or the holiday season i love that so i'm hearing an invitation to awareness and your website does that well Uh, obviously there are other tools out there, but there's also an invitation to get your hands dirty again. I think we all understand that people worked really hard. We've talked about that, and I think we understand where it's pretty natural that people would then move on when their life sort of feels normal, but you're reintroducing this to the community, and you're saying, hey, remember the unity, remember the hard work, remember how we came together to finish the job, let's do it again. And that's coming in October. What else? Yeah.
1: in saying that too, um, I know a lot of people, when they think of Harvey restoration, that just is swinging a hammer. Um, One amazing part of it is it's also fellowship. Can you bring a family a meal? Can you uh, provide some sack lunches for some volunteer teams that are out there? Um, Can you simply just give a hug to the homeowner and sit for five minutes and just love on them? Um, can you also just say a prayer for the recovery process, for the family, yeah. for the people out working, um, for the organizations that are, um, still moving these efforts along. Mm-hmm. So, um, a lot of people, you know, sometimes get discouraged as I don't, I don't know how to hang sheetrock. Yeah. Well, good luck is I, neither do I, but yeah. I can definitely clean. I can definitely, um, smile and enjoy some fellowship with yeah. fellow neighbors and I can also, um just provide that logistical support. Sure. I'm um, in that. I can run to Lowe's or whatever, you know, hardware store all day long. Um because I love driving. So it's
0: definitely. the creativity you were yes. talking about earlier. Like right after the storm, we just people were doing weird stuff, but <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> I remember a lady driving down the street. It's the house that we were at yeah. there the first week. And there was like a stack of like 20 pizzas in the bed of the truck. Yeah, and she was just feeding that. work teams, she's like, you know,
1: it's like, you want a piece, you want a piece? And then yes, we, I was at another home and <laughs> they went to McDonald's and bought, I think like probably a hundred cheeseburgers, but yeah. we're out mucking. And then she just opens up, she's like, you want a hot cheeseburger? <laughs> I'm like, it's okay, unbelievable.
0: Cool. <laughs> so there's work still to do. You guys have been doing it. And if people are looking to connect, uh, they can go to the website. Tell us where uh, we can find you um, online again and any other paths people could use to try to stay in touch so they know what's going on.
1: I think the um, the easiest, most up-to-date uh, utilized technology, we're on um, Instagram and Facebook under at Katie Responds and also just emailing us volunteer at org or info at org will um, connect you with us and we can get you plugged in with different dates that we have going on.
0: Awesome. Hey, one more question, and this is the way I end every podcast, and you guys have such a unique vantage point. I, th- I think it'd be interesting to get your responses, but but from where you sit in life and uh, in work and in family, um, what what is it that makes Katie Katie to you? What makes it special?
2: I think what... What makes Katie special to me is that you do have places and areas where you have these great communities that come together, whether it's in the churches, whether it's around the schools, whether it's around athletics, oftentimes here in Katie, uh, that people are willing to come together. It is it is a challenge in our daily world right now that so many people that we get so busy or, or that our lifestyles pull us back into I don't want to say isolation, but less connection. But there's there's opportunities for that connection. And that's even outside of this wonderful town, this wonderful hamlet that is Katie itself, mm-hmm. old Katie itself, because there's so many deep roots that go within that, that can be celebrated, that can mm-hmm. be, you know, are so much fun. And I think many of, like myself, who've not been in Katy our, our, our whole lives, that we sit in the greater Katy area, and we're like, man, that's a that's an interesting and great little environment. But we can replicate that. I see that replicated over and over again through our churches, and in our communities, and again those mm-hmm. circles that we get into that that similar to Houston broadly. That there's very few you know, original Houstonians. It's Mm -hmm. it's all people who have come here, but we come here seeking again, that relationship. And there's a lot of great ways within Katie itself to get into relationship. And we just see ourselves as one other mode for that to engage in relationship, both with these people who have been impacted by Harvey, but even just a way to really feel, feel your hands
0: and your soul come alive because of the work yep. that you get to engage in. Yeah, It's connection. I love that. I love that. Chelsea, what about you?
1: Um, one big thing that drew me to Katie um, is just the diversity. You literally have A to Z and walks of life. You have A to Z in um, nationalities. Um, but yet every person you talk to still has a little sense of home, wherever that may be. And Katie, I think just unifies all of that diversity to where you still feel like this is home.
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, Chelsea, Tom, thank you for your good work. And I hope that you all as listeners will jump on Katie Respond's website, give them a follow on Facebook or Instagram, and get involved this fall. Let's get 20, 25, 30 families back into their homes before they have to experience a third Thanksgiving, a third Christmas with uh, an incomplete sense of place. Thank you guys for your good work, and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks. Absolutely. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. The Katie Podcast is brought to you by The 25 Group, a Katie-based nonprofit serving our community. Find out more at the25group.org and join with us as we seek to help those in need. Hey, thanks also to Chris Verner for his expertise with music and editing. And thanks to you for listening. Please spread the word, connect with us on our Facebook page, and subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Titus, and you've been listening to the story of Katy, Texas. This is the Katy Podcast.